As we enter into a discussion about homosexuality and what the Bible has to say about it, we begin with these words from our pastor and teacher, Ed Taylor. You have a church that receives and accepts you for who you are with the hopes that you'll submit your life to the God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that who you are will be changed, not by a church and not by the laws of a church. You see, if you're in a church today and you're listening to me, well, my church accepts homosexuality, that doesn't mean God accepts homosexuality. You see, the moral law of God reflects the moral character of God. And the Bible declares that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. His morality doesn't change like our culture. This is amazing grace. As we look at where the church as a whole is at today related to the sin of homosexuality, on one hand, there are those that have gone so far as to say homosexuality is not a sin and completely acceptable. And then there are those that have shunned those that struggle with this sin, looking down on them. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll attempt to lovingly point you in the direction of Christ and the hope there is in Him, no matter what sin you're caught up in. We realize there are many questions people have in this realm, and Pastor Ed Taylor will attempt to answer some of them now before launching into a study from 1 Samuel 18. What if you were molested or propositioned by a homosexual or a person of the same sex at any stage in your life, young or old? Does that mean that you're a homosexual now? No, it doesn't. You see, homosexuality is based on lies and twisted truths. The lie is, is that if you can get a man or a woman to love you, then you'll be loved. But it's the wrong kind of love. Sexual gratification of any kind does not equal genuine love. But sadly, it's often used as a cheap substitute and a quick solution to the feelings that you're having. And just because someone hurt you or took advantage of you in a weak and vulnerable time in your life does not mean that they have damaged you forever. That does not mean that you have to live under that condemnation or that guilt the rest of your life. And if it was of someone of the opposite sex or of the same sex, I should say, that doesn't automatically make you a homosexual or a lesbian. Quite the opposite. I mean, maybe you were looking for love as a kid. Maybe you were put in a vulnerable place and you missed that valuable piece of growth in your life and your upbringing. There could be some disconnect between your parents and the dysfunction in your home that caused you to experiment or caused you to go and try this or someone saw the vulnerability in your life in high school and tried to take advantage of you. You see, God wants to restore what was lost as a child. God wants to restore what was lost in your upbringing by a relationship with him, not another person. Satan, the devil, may come and whisper, maybe you're gay. And God yells loudly, no, you're not. The devil is a liar, and he's not to be listened to ever, never, ever. God did not make anyone gay, and neither did your circumstances. 
Like any other sexual sin, it is made by a free will choice of the person participating. God didn't make anyone gay. God made you male and female, and you can walk in your God-given identity. It's your identity as a gift from God. Now, a third one that seems to be common in this realm as well is, what if you were picked on and called names as a kid? In some cases growing up, there were females, weren't they, that were a little more athletic or a little bit more. They liked to hang out with the boys in terms of what the boys did more than the girls, and, and we, they were called a name. Maybe you were called a name. They were called a tomboy. And what they was trying to be identified was the difference and distinction that they may have had some characteristics that they were more comfortable with guys and in that, not more comfortable with guys because they liked the guys, but more comfortable with guys because they could relate to the guys. And then they were picked on. Maybe that was you and you were picked on and you were called names. And because you were called names so much, you began to think, well, maybe I am. Or for the guys that might experience a more effeminate type of behavior, they might not be the deepest voice or they might not have been involved in, in sports. They may have been more in, uh, into dance or some of the creative arts. And what happened to them? They also were picked on and bullied and called names. And some of the names were vicious. Some of the names are very painful and hurtful and you grew up with that. And what it started to, for you to do is to draw into yourself What it started for you to do is to begin to believe the lie, which is the original sin in the Garden of Eden is to believe the lie. And the lie is very simple, and that is that God's word is not true. Don't listen to God. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And maybe you were picked on as a kid and you had some characteristics in your upbringing or characteristics in your mannerisms or even characteristics in your looks over which you have no control over. It was your God-given body and identity. Listen, if you were called names and picked on as a kid, those are lies. They were and they are. Nobody but you can choose to refuse to believe them. And you can make that choice. Satan has been pulling you down and doing a number on you For many, many years, part of the satisfaction or you just give up is no longer trying to live by the identity of God, but rather to give in to these types of pressures and lies and move into the homosexual lifestyle. You've been in Jesus Christ. Your life can be washed and changed and sanctified in him. You can be free, free from guilt and condemnation. And let me just say this. The discussion that we're having here is not just for unbelievers, There are many believers that are caught up in sexual sin as well. Believers, those that would say they follow Jesus Christ. Where the Bible couldn't be clearer. Uh, When you mention bestiality, there's an immediate, no way, that's not right. When you mention incest and taking advantage of your children, no way, that's not right. When you mention rape and sexual sin, say, oh no, that's not right. When you mention sex outside of, even using the language of the homosexual community today, outside of a committed relationship, that you can't just go and have sex with everyone. No, that's not right. Certainly within the context of God's definition of marriage, there's no, there, there, it, is, it is not for us to have sex outside of marriage in any form. Whether it is with another person, whether it's a, a sin of the heart, whether it's pornography, those are all sinful things. By God's definition, for believer and unbeliever alike. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me, please? 
Listen, if you're struggling in this area of your life, you have a church that receives and accepts you for who you are with the hopes that you'll submit your life to the God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that your, who you are will be changed, not by a church and not by the laws of a church. You see, if you're in a church today and you're listening to me, well, my church accepts homosexuality, that doesn't mean God accepts homosexuality. Well, you know, we just changed our bylaws and now we, have, we just got a brand new homosexual priest. Don't believe that if, if the priest in Leviticus couldn't be homosexual, what do you think the priest today, does that change? That hasn't changed, why? Because it's not a ceremonial law. It's the moral character. You see, the moral law of God reflects the moral character of God. And the Bible declares that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. His morality doesn't change like our culture. His morality, and again, I speak to our culture because really, we've become missionaries to our culture. Do you realize that? We are no longer living in a Christian culture. We're no longer living in a postmodern culture. We're living in an anti-God culture. And we're not unusual. We're not unique. As you travel around the world today, sending, as we send missionaries around the world, while we're sending missionaries, God has sent us here. We have become missionaries to our culture. That's why it is becoming harder and harder to share the gospel. Because as those that you're working with have grown up, you know, again, you're wrestling with this homosexual behavior. You, you, you haven't been raised with the kind of morality that previous generations have been raised with. And if they didn't get it at home, they would at least get it in their culture. You know, if their mom and dad let them get, get, get away with stuff, uh, you know, the lady down at the corner wouldn't let you get away with it. And she would come after you and go, you can't do that. You can't be breaking windows. You can't be stealing from the store. And your mom and dad might have let you do it, but you had to get by Mabel's house on the way home and you'd never make it. She'd chase you all the way home and, and you know, you'd have to change your whole life. At least there was somebody telling you right and wrong. But today things have changed. And if this is a struggle in your life, it's a pain in your life. It's a difficulty in your life. I just want you to know we acknowledge that. Many people will wonder if, well, if I'm homosexual, am I welcome in your church? Of course you're welcome in our church. But like anyone else in our church, you're not welcome to practice sin. You're not, especially as you name the name of Jesus Christ. And like all of us, we'll be patient We'll love you. We'll open the scriptures with you. We're not going to have signs with you at the door to belittle you or to harm you or to hurt you. That's not the heart of Jesus Christ. But you know, you value this in your own relationships. We also won't lie to you because friends and love don't lie to one another. They tell the truth as hard as it might be. And I believe that we'll do our best in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell you the truth in love respecting you as a human being, respecting your desire for love, respecting your desire for a relationship, respecting your desire and even some confusion you might be having about who you are and how you were raised and recognizing that we all get mixed up in our minds from time to time over things. But that God gives clarity. You know, you don't have to live your life with this burden of guilt. You don't. And neither do you have to become antagonistic toward a God that loves you. In verse 9, and again, this is writing to those that are in a church. If first, did I give you the chapter 6? Verse 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's heterosexual sin outside of marriage, nor idolaters, 
That's having anything that's uh, larger than any God, worshiping anything or anyone more than the one true God or aside from the one true God. Adulterers, that's heterosexual sin of breaking the marital covenant. Nor homosexuals, those, are the, those, those would refer to the submission part of homosexual, homosexual sin. Nor the sodomites, that would refer to the aggressing, aggressive side of that relationship where there's one more stronger than the other. Nor thieves, that would refer to unrepentant people that steal. That, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list of sin, and it's not just one zeroed in on homosexuality. That's a large swath of people, and that's not an exhaustive list either. He says, don't you know that those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you know that? Don't you see that, church? This Bible study, although on the topic of homosexuality, is not exclusive to homosexuality. Don't you know you can't? Don't you know that I can't? I mean, you would never accept that from me as a pastor. You realize you'd never accept that. Where I just come in, oh, where you been, Ed? Well, you know, I just, I'm out on bail. I got caught stealing again. You would never accept that. I mean, the ones that you did, man, don't. I'm telling you right now. Hey, where where you been at? Well, you know, I've just been had, I've had all these relationships and poor, where's Marie? You know, she's at home and mad at me. She's packing up. She's leaving me. Why? Well, because, you know, I've had all these adulterous relationships. You would never accept that. You you would never put your hand of approval upon it. You, you, You recognize the reality of why we have police, why we have police on the street protecting us. You, you recognize and understand the moral purity requirement of those that are teaching the word of God. While none of us are perfect, none of us would be living in unrepentant sin. None of us would be living in a way that would break the true moral law and code of God as witnessed on our hearts by God himself. He's writing to the church and he's saying, listen guys, there's a mixture of people in your midst. There's a mixture There are people that are living in unrepentant sin. There are thieves among you. There are extortioners among you. There are adulterers. There are those engaged in homosexuality, just like they did before, just like they were committing adultery before, just like they were partying, that's what revelers are, just like they were partying before, just like they were all drunk and under the influence of of psychopsychotic drugs. Yeah, those guys, listen, listen. No one will inherit the kingdom of God that practice such things. This was written to a church and repeated to us today. But isn't verse 11 so glorious? Isn't verse 11 just the freedom that we've all been looking for? Such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Such were some of you. That's me. Such was some of me, but not anymore. God changed my life. And he began to change me from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's the work that God wants to do. There is hope for you today. There is hope for you in Jesus Christ, no matter what sin you're caught up in. And yet, because this area of sin has become popular and the wave of culture, the tide is turning, I want you to know that I love you. I don't look down at you. I've met many people caught up in many different things. That's why God has enlisted me in the ministry. 
so that my life might be a testimony of God's grace, so that I might be proof, if you've ever wondered if God can change the worst of the worst, that I could stand here and go, I'm living proof that God can change a man, that God can change a woman in an instant. If he will humble himself, admit that he sinned, it just admit it. I know it's hard, especially when you think, but, it, but, but pastor guy, all I want is a relationship. I love her. I love him. I don't doubt that. And that relationship can be one of great fidelity and holiness and purity that has no homosexual tendencies to it at all, like David and Jonathan, where they shared a really tight, great friendship that retained their roles, that retained their God-given identities, and retained their God-given relational aspects of where those limitations came. You know, there's not even any indication whatsoever in the text that there was even a small, even an, a small iota of homosexuality. It's all written, read into the text. There's hope for you. There's freedom available to you. I'm sorry you're caught up in this. I'm sorry that it's a turmoil in your life. I'm sorry that you're losing sleep over it. I'm sorry that you've become antagonistic that you've become angry, that you've become a name caller. I'm sorry that you have to feel like you need to defend yourself and you need to fight your battle. I'm sorry that you even are getting upset with my words even now. Maybe thinking in your mind, who are you to judge me? Listen, I'm just opening the scriptures to you. I'm explaining to you the text. It's only been recently that these texts have been redefined that these texts have been twisted to the point that where they are today to establish a behavior that's clearly not from God. And I genuinely feel bad for you in the turmoil that you're in. I see it all the time. Not with this particular sin, but I see it all the time. That's, that's why God has given pastors to the church, you know, to help people get right with God over the brokenness of what sin has done to their lives. You, you ask somebody who's experienced adultery in their marriage, they'll tell you the pain. You ask somebody about the fornication, the sexual sin that they were involved in in high school, they'll tell you the pain. You ask someone that got caught up in the immorality of the day who maybe, you know, is just so sold out that when they took their, you ask somebody, when they took their first drink of whiskey, they didn't think they'd be so jacked up today. They didn't think they'd be completely gone. They didn't think that they'd be in and out of jail or in and out of the hospital or they didn't think that. You ask someone that the first time they stole something and it felt good, it was small, it fit in their pocket. But now they found a way instead of working hard, now they've just found a way I'm just gonna take from people. And they're caught in it. And it's devastating to their life. You see, sin is sin. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to die for sin. And, and I know that I know that even listening, a lot of times we'll send these CDs out and, and, and we'll tell them, please listen to the end, please listen to the end, please listen to the end. And if you have listened to the end, thank you. Thank you for considering. Thank you for listening. Thank you for even taking this. Um, and even if you want to break it and throw away by thinking about what I've had to say, thinking about what the Bible has to say about sin across the board, because there is hope and there is freedom. Are you still in 1 Corinthians 6? Would you, would you just look at verse 12 here as we close? Paul then begins to speak of 
of things that might be in the gray areas. And he says, all things are lawful for me, but not everything is helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I won't be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has raised us up, uh, raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Again, speaking to believers. Shall I then take them, the members of Christ, and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And notice verse 18, our final words today. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You're listening to the final portion of a message from Ed Taylor called David and Jonathan Were Not Homosexuals. If you missed the first two programs that featured this study, go online to calvaryaurora.org or call and request the CD from us at 877-30-GRACE. Ed, as we close out this talk about homosexuality and the hope that is found in Christ, maybe there's someone listening that has a loved one that's involved in this sin and they're wondering how they can help. Perhaps that person isn't open to hearing God's truth on the subject. What would be your counsel to them? I would give counsel, Larry, along these lines, and that is don't treat someone because of the sin that they're in. Treat them as they are, human, loved, people with identities and personalities and the relationships that we have with them. A lot of times, the sin in people's lives, they stumble us. And whether it's the sin of homosexuality or a thief or any other things that, that are, are there that we might be shocked by, and because we're shocked, we forget that we're, we're just dealing with people that we love and that we care for. And so don't treat people by their sin, but rather treat people with the love and the hope and the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we're to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And be available to them. Uh, don't, don't treat them as uh, an outcast or something because they're involved in a behavior that might be offensive to you or might be hurtful to you, but continue to be loving, caring, prayerful, careful, and available to them, and love them for who they are, not for what they do, but love them for who they are, and stay available to them, because God will use you. The closer you are, the more opportunity that you'll be used from the Lord. And I just want to commend you guys for listening through the whole Bible study, and and I know it's not an easy one, but but I do know that there's hope. There's hope for any sin that vexes us, any sin that besets us. And even some of you listening, you go, I can't believe you're calling homosexuality a sin. Well, I can only share with you what the Bible says, and I know that those that have come out of this lifestyle and this choice, I know when you talk to them, they'll tell you how hard and how difficult it was to live with the consequences of this sin, and we love you, and you're not, I'm not talking to you as someone that didn't have rank rebellious sin in his life either. Um, I was so far from God, and it would have been very, very difficult for you to come and tell me that. I would have been offended, I would have been hurt, I would have been upset, and indeed I was, until the gospel penetrated my heart and God opened my eyes and drew me to himself, where I had the privilege of repenting and forsaking my sin 
and God doing a great work in my life. You know he can do the same in yours. Stay close, stay available, and if you need help, please, please ask. God bless you guys. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truth of God's Word to the radio every day. And maybe you benefited from these studies. Perhaps you've been listening for a while, but have never taken the time to call or write and let us know. We hope you'll take just a moment to email us as you visit our website at calvaryaurora.org. And remember, it's your financial partnership that allows us to bring these studies to your station. When you give $25 or more today, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love the Most Excellent Way. You'll learn what real love is all about from someone who experienced it for himself throughout his life and ministry before going home to be with the Lord. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or contribute to the ministry online at calvaryaurora.org. And if you'd rather write, our mailing address is Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. We'll cover more ground in 1 Samuel next time we meet on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.